Well, praise God, church, man. I'm glad y'all are tuned in. I'm glad y'all are here. You know, I was going to start this, this, the Wednesday nights with no praise and worship and, and just doing my teaching, but literally because of everything that's gone on, all the tragedy that's taken place in our county, uh, rather than just starting and praying and then getting into the message, I want to pray. And I want to ask all of y'all that are watching and everybody in here to just get in agreement with me. Now, I'm going to be praying some scriptures I feel like the Lord gave me today to pray over our whole, uh, the whole situation, the whole county, everybody. And, uh, and I'm going to read the scripture, and then I want to pray the scripture and the way I usually do. And so I suggest you write these scriptures down, uh, kind of take a note of them so you can keep praying them. And as I'm praying, because I want to get started, I'm just going to pray. <clears throat> and I don't know how long I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray. I may pray the whole night. Amen. But uh, y'all got to get in agreement with me. I don't want you to sit there and watch me pray. I don't want you just to close your eyes at your house and, and, and just say, just yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I want you to get involved with me. I want you to get your faith going. And so to get yourself stirred up. So... So uh, the first scripture is going to be Psalm 63, 1 and 2. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And I just thank you, Lord, that that Psalm just speaks our heart. Lord, we are hungry and thirsty to see you here in a dry and thirsty land. Lord, a land that's damaged, a land that's been hurt. For a people that are, that are wounded, Lord God, and, and grieving and hurting for loss that has taken place in our county, Lord God. Lord, we just pray this night that as we look for you, we're going to find you because that's what you said. You said look for you. And you'll find you. You're not going to be far off. You're not going to be gone. Lord, you're a God who's near at hand, not a God who's far off. And so, Lord, we just pray right now. We ask you that your power and your glory to be exalted in Uvalde County, Lord God, over the town of Uvalde, over all the, uh, the, 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 the victims of this horrible crime, Lord, that we just ask you, Lord God, to begin to minister to each and every one of them, that you just, your power begins to rise up and your glory begins to rise up, oh, Lord God. Let God arise and let all the enemies be scattered, Lord God. Let people come together in unity. Let them begin to glorify you. Lord, let churches blossom like they've never blossomed before. Let people be hungry to come into the sanctuary, hungry to seek your power, hungry to see your glory, Lord God. <coughs> Lord, let them just boil over with just love for you. And Lord, let the streets of Uvalde run with an anointing that just flows down through the streets, Lord God, touching people's lives, touching people's hearts. Lord, going into every house, arresting people's face, arresting them, Lord God, to, to just come to worship you. Lord, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Lord, we just declare <clears throat> that we're coming boldly to the throne room of God. You said you wanted us to come boldly, to be, to be children of God who rise up and come boldly, Lord God, into your throne because we are sons of God. 
We are daughters of God. We are, we are your, your servants, Lord God. And as we come by the blood of Jesus, Lord, we just speak that you create a new and living way in the hearts of the people, Lord God. That, Lord God, just... Like the rain came last night and it flowed down and it fell from heaven and it fell upon the ground and it began to water the ground and plants are springing up and plants today, grass is turning green and things are taking place. Lord, I just declare that that anointing of God, that river of living water just begins to flow, Lord God, over our county, flow over every person, Lord God, that Lord God, that that that. You lift the veil from the people's eyes and they can behold you, Jesus, and see your glory and to see your beauty and to see who you are, Lord God, and that they would draw near to you, O God. They draw near to you with a heart full of assurance. Lord, they draw near to you a heart full of assurance, Lord God, that you are a God who does what he says he'll do. He'll do. Jeremiah 33, 20 says, Lord, you said if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that there will be no dry day or no day and no night in their season, then my covenant shall all, could also be broken. So, Lord, man, the sun came up this morning. Lord, and the sun's going down this evening. And Lord, I declare that that means that our, your covenant is not been broken. That Lord, we can stand on the promises of God. That there are yes and amen to those that will believe. That Lord, your word is true. That Jesus, you came to destroy the yoke of the enemy. You came to bring life and life more abundantly. And Lord, I just declare that the spirit of life just flows over you, Valley, Flows over all of our towns flows over all of all, every place in our county, Lord God. And that, that, that your spirit of life just, just begins to just touch all the places, the wounds, the bruises, the hurts, Lord God, and just begins to bring life unto them. Now, Isaiah 43, 15 says, you're the God who makes a way. You said, I am the Lord, your God, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. God, you're a God who always makes a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, no matter what it looks like, no matter what our eyes see, what our eyes behold. Lord, we're trusting in you. We're trusting in your covenants. We're trusting in your promises that God, you are going to do and perform everything that you said you would do. Lord, you said in Romans 8 and 28. That we know all, that all things work together for the good of those that love him. So, Lord, you're working good in the midst of horror. Yes. Lord, you're working good in the midst of trauma, in the midst of trials. You're working good, Lord God. That's what it is. You're a good God who's working for us, Lord God. Amen. And, Lord, we just exalt you. We just praise you. We just give you glory and honor, Lord God. I thank you that you just begin to fill every house, Lord God. Everybody watching this video, you just begin to touch them and fill them and fill their houses and just begin to just be exalted in amongst them, oh God. Lord, I declare Deuteronomy 20 verses 3 and 4 says, And he shall say unto them who hear, O Israel, today... You're on the verge of a battle with your enemies, but do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And so, Lord, I praise you that all the enemies that would want to destroy 
All the enemies that would want to hurt, all the enemies that would want to wound, all the enemies that would want to, 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 to bring death and destruction, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that by the power of God, you begin to destroy them because you're the God who fights for us. I declare that, Lord, we are not going to go weary. We are not going to faint in the midst of adversity. We are not going to fall down and faint in the midst of adversity, but adversity is going to cause us to rise up. And to trust you, oh God, and to see you move over the whole situation, to move over everything that's taking place. Because God, that's who you are. That is who you are. I declare that the spirit of oppression is broken in the name of Jesus. I declare that people are not going to be oppressed. People are not going to be <coughs> taken and put down by the enemy. But I declare they're going, to be glor- they're going to glorify you. They're going to exalt you. They're going to be praisers. They're going to be worshipers, oh God. Because you said in 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory and forever and ever. Amen. So I thank you, Lord God, that you're a God of deliverance. You're a God of victory. You're a God who waves the banner and says, no, 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 we're victorious. We're victorious. And you preserve us, oh God, for your heavenly kingdom and for your purpose upon the face of this earth. So, Lord, Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. We just declare, Lord God, it says, therefore, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. So, Lord, we thank you for your rest. We thank you that people that are anxious, people that are grieving, people that are hurting, people that are tired and weary. Lord, I just declare that they find rest in you. That, Lord, you touch them with the anointing. You bring them to that place where they're touched by the anointing of God. And, Lord, we just give you praise for it. We thank you for it, Lord. We exalt you, Lord God, because you are such an amazing God. You are such an amazing God. And, Lord, man, we rejoice tonight that you have touched our lives and that we know you, that you have saved us, you have brought us out of uh, the, the, the place of this world into a place, Lord God, to be with you. And so, Lord, we just give you praise for it. We thank you for it. No, Lord, I thank you now that as we go to your word, to look at your word, to study your word, to rejoice in your word. I thank you just open up people's eyes. You open up their understanding. Lord, I just thank you that they come to a place where, Lord God, that they understand their salvation more than they ever have. And it becomes the, literally the spirit of life inside of them. Amen. So we give you praise for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen. So praise God. If you have your Bible, get it out. If you got your notebook with you, get it out. You should have had it when you came to the, to the set tonight. But I want you to go to Genesis chapter 3. I want to pick up where I left off last week. I want to teach you for a few minutes here. Ah, it's going to be longer than a few minutes, but. Amen. So last week we did a lot, lot and, I, and the only way I'll ever get through all of this thing in 14 weeks is I can't go back and review. So if you didn't see last week's message, you need to go back and watch it. This is going to be part two. But I ended up and I stopped right last week when I was talking about the fall. God had created this glorious garden. He'd put everything in it. It was riverfront property. It was the greatest thing in the world. It wasn't, you know, just a few trees. It was the most beautiful, unbelievable place that could have ever been imagined. And man was in it and man had it. The, we don't know how long he was there, but man was in there to do with it as he pleased. Every day was a joy. There were no bill collectors. There were no, no, you know, uh, 
uh, electricity going out. There wasn't no wells going dry. There wasn't no storms coming in. No, it was a beautiful, beautiful garden. Adam was there. And there's only one thing, one thing God said, just one thing. Don't eat of that tree. And I told you last week, and I, I, and I, you know, if you disagree with me, that's okay, because you can disagree with me. We'll get to heaven. We'll find out, because it's not a real important point. But I don't think that the tree of knowledge of good and evil was really anything special. I don't think it was like if you ate it, it was spectacular. I think it was all about sin. It was all about disobedience of not doing what God said to do. And so we saw that 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 they came to this point to where <clears throat> Adam and Eve they you know partook of the fruit, and there was a fall. But let's read it again. Uh, Genesis 3, chapter 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Oh, no, 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 you're lying. We may eat of the trees of the fruit of, of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat of it, for you shall touch it, you shall at least you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, Oh, you'll not die. For God knows that in that day you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and she ate it and she gave it to her husband with her and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called unto Adam. He said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman you gave me. <laughs> I love that, man. I mean, instantly in this story, you find you find they go insane because they sewed fig leaves on their naked bodies. Anybody that's ever been around a fig tree knows what that's all about. Then they begin to immediately be ashamed. They immediately wanted to flee the presence of God. And then they begin to accuse one another. All this took place in a matter of a moment from being in disobedience to God. Well, that's when the curse came upon the earth. That's when man lost his dominion on the face of the earth as the keeper of this earth and in the garden. All right. Now, you may say, Pastor, how do you come to that conclusion? So turn in your Bibles to Matthew 4, chapter 4, verse 8. Matthew 4, 8. I think this is the best example. <clears throat> Matthew 4, 8. It says, and again, the devil took him up into exceedingly high mountain. Now, this is when Jesus is with the devil and the temptations going on. The devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these things I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. How could the devil offer Jesus something that wasn't his? Jesus would have just had to turn to the devil and say, what are you talking about? This all belongs to man. This all belongs to Adam, this all belongs to my father. No, but the devil said, I'll give you all of this. All right. That dominion back that he had gotten from the garden. That's where it came. Because the moment Adam became in disobedience to God, he, tr the devil tricked him and he sold, in a sense, he gave the, the, the devil the lease on this earth. Right. I mean, that's in our terminology, basically what happened. So now go back to Genesis, 
chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis 3, 15. And let's look at what happens here. <clears throat> it's Genesis 3, 15 through 19. And he said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall, and, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your, and, and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then, then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I have commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the herbs of the field and the, and the, with the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. From out of it you were taken, and for the dust you are, and to the dust you shall return. Isn't it sad, man? Here's Adam and Eve in the beautiful garden. Everything is perfect. Everything is great. And then they get in disobedience to God. And the moment they get in disobedience to God, the curse comes upon the face of the earth. The devil is gone over here. He's got his dominion. And they come out to this place. He says, now everything is going to be difficult for you in life. All right. Wow. I mean, that's rough. That everything is going to be difficult from now on. You're going to toil. You're going to sweat. You're going to do all this stuff. And then you're going to end up at the end of your life returning to the dust from which you came. All right. I mean, you can see that God had this great plan for man yes. in the garden, this glorious plan for man. But then they fell. But immediately, ooh, immediately he said, you know, there's going to be one. You're going to, if you go back to verse, uh, the ver uh, verse 15, he says, in between your, he says, there's going to be enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So instantaneously, there was already a prophecy about Jesus coming to redeem mankind. Immediately, God had a plan to still redeem mankind, even though man was such an idiot to do what he did. All right. All right. Yes. But I told you, I told you uh, last week. That, you know, the, the thing is, is that God did not want us to be robots. God did not want us to serve him out of, out of, uh, out of no choice. Amen. He wanted us to serve him out of love and obedience and, and, and wanting to, to, to worship him. Right. And if there was no choice to sin, right. how could that be? Right. We couldn't have it. We, could, we wouldn't be, we'd just be a, a, a robot just saying, I love you, I love you. And it didn't mean anything because you never had a choice to sin. So he had to lay it out before him for man to be a free will being and to have an ability to make a choice. So now let's go over New Testament, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, when you read that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, and so many times you want to refer back and you want to refer back to the law of Moses, all right, which is called the law. All right, it is. But you have to learn and you have to look because the law of Moses was never given for man to perform. 
Right. It was given to man to lay before him to say, this is what it would take to be holy in front of me. Right. And you can't do it. That's what it was all about. Seeing the law was about all the ordinance, all the covenants, all the, all the things that you had to do to be right with God by works. Right. And there was no person that could do it except one man. That's right. His name is Jesus. Yes. Okay. All right. So then when it says the curse, it's talking about the original curse from all the way back in the garden. Yes. Jesus redeemed us from that curse because the curse came upon all of mankind. All right. Yes. All right. Yes. The curse came upon all of mankind. So Jesus is redeeming us from the curse, not just of the curse of the Mosaic law, but the curse that was on the whole face of the earth from the original sin in Genesis chapter three. Okay. You got to understand that. What have you been redeemed from? Why people say, well, what do I need to be saved from? You need to be saved from the curse. If Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, you need to be safe from the curse that's over the whole face of this earth that's working upon you to get you to be in, in disfellowship with Almighty God, your Creator. All right. That's what it's about. Yes. Let's go to another one. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. It says, Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Let's stop right there for a second. I mean, this is another really good point. Wait a minute here. If it says he has blessed us, that means it's past tense, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So in other words, this redemption that Jesus bought for you at salvation that you received, this redemption literally takes you all the way back to the blessings of the garden. All right. Because just think about this. If the curse took you all the way back to the garden, the blessing takes you all the way back to the garden too. All right. A place where you can fellowship with God, a place where you can walk with God in the evening, a place where God has blessed everything that you do. I mean, doesn't Psalms 1 tell us that God wants to bless everything that we put our hands to? Yes. So see, salvation is not just getting to heaven. It's not just being redeemed from the cursor. You know, so many people don't even understand what salvation is. All right. When Paul calls it the spirit of life coming inside of you, true life, agape life coming down on the inside of us. Now he's saying here in Christ, we're blessed back to the original garden blessing. All right. Mm. That's good. Yes, it is. So then he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's the place he wants us. Yes. Holy and without blame before him in love. He chose you to be that way. Okay. Amen. Having predestined us to adoption as sons of Christ to himself according to the good pleasures of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace with which he made us to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Now just... I mean, those are such beautiful words that we have been redeemed, set free. It's like it's like like it was it was there and it's gone. If there's no one to accuse you. You're right. Right. 
But why do they call the devil the accuser of the brethren? Because that's his tactic always to try to keep people living under the curse. The accusation, the deal, the same one that happened to Adam and Eve when he said, oh, she made me do it. It's amazing. It is amazing how the enemy works so hard to keep us to living under the curse. When we're saved, born again, redeemed from the curse, he has no rights, no privileges, no anything over us, yet we do just like Adam does. We keep giving it to him All right. and letting him take ownership of it and then rule over us when he has no right to do it. It'd be just like, it'd be just like going out here in, in, in somebody else's property and you, you had a friend. He said, I'd really like to lease that property. And you say, okay, I'll lease it to you. And you lease it to him. And then the friend's out there and he's doing something on the property. And the guy, the owner comes out. So what are you doing? He said, oh, you know, I'll lease this property. He said, you didn't lease it. You weren't the owner. I'm the owner. Who leased it from me? All that guy over there, my friend over there leased it to me. He said, what are you doing? You didn't own this property. That's the same thing with the devil. You're letting him have a lease that is not his to even be leasing. Yes, that's good. Preach. You're giving him place and not taking your rightful place under the redemption of Christ that's taken you all the way back to the garden and washed your sins away and made you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That's good. So let's go on. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2, 1. It's 1 through 9. And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. You see, the curse, it's on you. You're dead. You were dead in your trespasses in no way out. So if a person, if a person doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they've never asked to be redeemed by him. Just think of that word redeemed it means taken out, brought. You, you, you got it. You, you've been redeemed. You're taken out of that mess. Amen. It so amazes me how people today want God to do what they want him to do. All right. But they don't want to do what God wants them to do. All, right. All they want to do is live in their sin and do things they want to, but they want to die and go to heaven. But that's not the way salvation works. You've been pulled out, it says. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Right? See, the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, the one who had dominion over this earth, the one who Adam had sold the lease to. All right. Among whom also we once were conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. You see, stuck under the curse. All right. But God, next verse, who is rich in his mercy, because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now stop right there for a second. So you say, well, pastor, that all sounds good. That, uh, that, I mean, that really sounds good, but I don't understand how this works. Well, look at this in a spiritual sense. All right. In a natural sense, when you got saved, you didn't change your residence to heaven. We're going to go to heaven one day. We're going to go to heaven when Jesus comes back. We're going to go to heaven. All right. Or if you die, you're going to go to heaven. All right. But right now, we're still stuck on this earth. 
All right? Yes. Now, just think about this. <clears throat> We're still stuck on this earth. But spiritually, because of what salvation does for you, when you're born again, the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you and, re- and, and changes what's inside of here, and you're born again. You have a position in the heavenly places, spiritually speaking. Amen. Matter of fact, it says you're sitting with Jesus. Right. Wow. Let's think about that. I quoted the scripture a while ago that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace. So how many people... Either you're listening to me tonight or you know someone that as a Christian, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, they'll say they're saved, they're going to go to heaven, they know it, but have no idea what authority and power that gave them the day that they got saved. The problem is, is that we don't know, we don't learn, we don't build ourselves, we don't grow in the spirit, grow in the things of God. We stay baby Christians and we don't grow up, we don't mature. The mature Christian says you've been raised up together and you're sitting together in heavenly places with Christ, that he's going to show you the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's for now right here on earth. Yes. Right. That's not for the day you go to heaven and die. That's for now right here on this earth. God wants to show you his kindness, his grace. Why? For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works they see in which should boast. Wow, what a gift. But I don't know how many Christians I know don't ever walk in their gift. They don't ever walk in the gift that God gave them. Grace, mercy, peace. They're too busy hung with one foot in the world, you know, and still dragging on them and still dragging on their flesh and still pulling them off and pulling them off and pulling them off and pulling them off. And they're over here and they're fighting this and they're getting back over here and they're walking in unforgiveness and walking in bitterness, walking in wrath, walking all these things that we used to walk in in the world like the world used to walk. All right. Instead of walking over here in grace and mercy and peace and kindness, love, all the things that are yours that are naturally input in you when you're born again. Amen. Folks, you don't have to. Try to learn to love. If you're born again and saved, love is in you. The love of God's in Amen. you. Yes. Yes. It's in you. Right. Yes. You can walk in love. You can do amazing things. Preach, Pastor. But I'm telling you, if your mind is in the world, All right. you're going to think like the world. You're going to operate like the world. You're going to yes. act like the world. It's always going to be in your face All right. instead of the love of God. You go read 1 Corinthians 13, and you look at it. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love never fails. Amen. But see, we don't want to bear all things. Now, this takes me to one more point, and then I'm going to close. Let me read the scripture to you first. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. It says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness... Okay, just stop right there. If it, let's just put it this way. If you got saved and you know you're saved and Jesus is on the inside of you, you know what, and, and you don't know anything about salvation and you just opened up the Bible and it fell open on Colossians 1.13 and you looked down and you said, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. You should rejoice the rest of your entire life. Amen. 
Because right there, he revealed the devil has no power and authority over you. Amen. Yes. But we live in a fallen world. This is not, I don't know if y'all looked around. I mean, we got an inch of rain last night. We want to glory about that. But man, this is not the garden. I went out and looked around this morning, and I had some rocks out there. They all washed up from the dirt, washed off of them last night, but that wasn't no gold. All right. There wasn't gems laying all over the ground in my house. I looked. Yeah. I always expected. You never know. You know, might just be a vein of gold right there I didn't know about. And just pop up. I walk out and say, I'll be. There's gold out there on the ground. That's what was in the garden. Maybe it happened in my house. But all I got was caliche rocks this morning. All right. Okay? Yes. So my point is, I'm delivered from the power of darkness, but I have not yet been delivered from this world of darkness. I still live here. This is still my residence as of now. My permanent home is heaven. But right now I'm living here on this earth, having to go through the issues of life. When it doesn't rain, it doesn't do this, it, uh, the hard times, the crazy people, the things that go on, the tragedies, the, everything that takes place. I'm living in this fallen world. Right. And if you want to blame anybody, blame Adam and Eve. All right. Great. I mean, if you're going to blame them, That's right. blame the devil for being old slewfoot, trying to, you know, slip in there and, and deceive them. But my Bible says, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, he has delivered me from the power of darkness. I mean, man, I can't quit reading that. I just keep looking at it. Saying, he has delivered us from the power of darkness Amen. and conveyed us, conveyed like on a conveyor belt, like zipped us over into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption Amen. through his blood, the forgiveness of of sins. Now, as I close tonight, I want to just, I want to give you a little challenge here. As I've taught you tonight that you're delivered from the power of darkness, I've taught you tonight that you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But I want to ask you tonight, if you look into your heart, that look down into your soul, is there something that you feel is between you and God that is a wall? Uh, something you feel guilty about, something that you feel like God's not pleased. I look at it like this. If, um, if you would be embarrassed to walk into the room because you feel something's not right within you, you don't want Jesus to see something, well, then there's something there. Whether you want to admit it or not, there's something there, and you know it. Salvation brings you total and complete redemption from the curse. Then it lays out in front of you the ability to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. And to continue to cleanse your mind with the washing of the water of the word. That's what God said he'll do for you. But the fact that you're already in the kingdom has already been done the day that you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. There's no struggle. There's not one day in the kingdom and another day out of the kingdom. There's not, there's not walking along and you mess up and you blow it that day and say, oh, man, I'm not saved. No, right. you're either redeemed from the curse of the law or you're under the curse of the law. All right, that's right. So if I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, the devil has no power over me. Amen. I'm right with God. Right. So all I have to do is go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. I ask you to forgive me. 
That's what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins, right? Why? Because we walk in the light and fellowship with him. He knows. Folks, listen to me. He knows we're not the sharpest pencil in the box. All right. That's true. He knows we're going to make mistakes. Yes. He knows it. He knows it. He knows it. But he still loves you. Amen. So if you're watching tonight and you have guilt in your life for anything like that, you need to stop right now and you need to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord God. There's anger in my heart. There's unforgiveness in my heart. I'm holding bitterness. I'm, 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 I'm feeling guilty of something that I did. Because when you repent and ask him to forgive you, it's such an amazing thing. Yes, the Spirit of God comes inside of you and sets you free. Amen. And you can simply say, God, I love you. Yes. You've set me free. Thank you, Lord, that I am not caught by the enemy anymore. He cannot accuse me anymore. And that accuser, the brethren, boom, is Amen. gone. Yes. It's us giving the devil power over our lives that torments us. Yes. Yes. And he doesn't have the right. Because you've been bought with a price. Jesus paid it for you on the cross. And you can be free. Yeah. Amen. So if you would pray with me. And I ask you to just keep going over this message, letting it sink into your heart until you're free. Amen. Now, Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name. I just pray over everyone. I thank you, Lord God, that we are delivered from the power of darkness, what the devil has lied to the people about, what he has brought into their lives, what he has put upon them, Lord, whatever's come upon them from the curse of this world, that, Lord God, tonight they would realize that they have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, that they have been set free. Lord God, that they will walk in your covenants and your promises. They will walk in that redemption victory. They will walk in the blessings of God and be free from the curse of the law. Jesus, you paid a great price for us. And so tonight, Lord, we thank you, we worship you, and we praise you for it, Lord God. And we just declare, Lord, that you have set us free. Amen. So, Lord, I ask you to bless them tonight. Let this revelation soak down within their hearts. Bless them, their lives, bless their finances, bless their businesses, oh God. And, Lord, I just thank you for, for this message of salvation coming into their hearts. And bringing us back together again next week for another message, Lord God, that will set us free. And Lord, we give you praise for it and thanks in Jesus' mighty name. Amen Amen and amen. God bless you, church.